there's definitely a software or hardware device, but there's another 50% that has to come from the PT's habits to be able to build these codes. Hello, welcome to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions. And if you are an innovative healthcare company, maybe you've got a software or a device that you're looking to bring to the market, specifically in the physical or physiotherapy space, you're looking to leverage some insight, some understanding, maybe some market research in order to sell your product or get your product into the hands of clinicians to improve the lives of patients across the country, then I'd recommend you check out the Market Penetration Roadmap by RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. You can find that at uh, strategy.RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. What we do with you is we take you through some positioning exercises. We do market research and insight gathering for you. We develop your unique value proposition and target it for the specific stakeholder that you are hoping to speak with in the healthcare industry. You know, we've got the four P's of healthcare, the, the payer, the provider, the policymaker, and the patient. So we help you align your UVP to whichever stakeholder you are gonna be going after. And then we help develop your market penetration strategy. So if that is something that you are interested in or want to learn more about, you can head on over to strategy.rehab, the letter U, practice solutions.com and check out the market penetration roadmap. Alrighty, speaking of devices and technology and moving more towards a hybridized model of care, this week we are diving into remote therapeutic monitoring, so RTM, which is different than remote physiological or remote patient monitoring, RPM, in that this is specific for uh, rehabilitation and rehab plans of care, as outlined by CMS. So my guest this week, Matthew Jurek, is a physical therapist. He's also the owner of Osprey RTM Solutions and Consulting, and he helps physical therapy clinics implement RTM programs in their practices. So he and I have a conversation around what is RTM or remote therapeutic monitoring? What are the codes? What do those codes mean? What are the requirements in order to successfully build those codes? And then the ancillary stuff that we don't really think about, the workflows, um, what you need to do as far as staff onboarding and training in order to successfully run an RTM program in a clinic. You know, I do consulting work with organizations all the time that are that are either bringing one of these tools to the market and trying to get them in the hands of clinics and organizations to get them to use the device, to use the software, the platform, whatever it is. And a lot of times what is interesting is that it's not a matter of the organization or the clinic or the clinicians even seeing the value in the tool. They know the tool or the software or the device is going to be helpful. It's going to help them move the needle on behalf of their patients. The problem is that it doesn't fit in their workflows. So uh, Matt and I talk a little bit about uh, coordinator integrating that tool or that platform, in this case, RTM, generally into the workflows of a clinic so that you can successfully use it, right? Because if it's one thing to have some really cool tool um, and it just sit collecting dust on a shelf, which is essentially what a lot of softwares and devices and tools do these days. They get into an organization or into a clinic and it's rah-rah for the first 30 days or so and then it just never gets used again. So we talk a little bit about how to make it work, things you can do to get the clinicians, the frontline clinical staff to adopt it more. So hopefully you will find this conversation insightful 
interesting when we talk about moving more towards a hybrid model of care and some of the benefits that remote patient monitoring and remote therapeutic monitoring have to offer, uh, specifically in this case, the physical therapy world. But obviously, remote patient monitoring is, is going to be one of those things that takes more of a, a prominent role, at least in my mind, across the healthcare industry. So without further ado, here's Matt Jurek talking about remote therapeutic monitoring. Well, hey, Matt, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Rafi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on and talking about uh, remote therapeutic monitoring. But before we dive into that topic, just tell us a little bit about yourself, what got you into RTM, and uh, and what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. I'd love to share. It's It's been a really interesting journey um, for myself and for my family, too. Background to it, so I'm a physical therapist, began practicing in 08, always in the outpatient realm. Um, working for another company in different roles where maybe I helped open up a clinic for a company or or was a director there, but never in the owner seat, uh, if you will. And my wife is a PT as well. We were both working full time out in Oregon. Loved it. We're doing great with it. But we found ourselves missing our kids a lot as our kids were growing. So at the time, we made a kind of a radical decision. My daughter, six years old, and my son, three years old. We decided to find life now, so we sold everything, and we became travel PTs. Yeah, so pretty big step and a little scary, but there was things in our life that were were leading up to this all all along, and so glad that we took that risk. So that was in 2019, and we've been full-time RVing now for the last three and a half years. and we set it up where she would do a contract, you know, for thir- 13 weeks and I would homeschool and do stuff cool with the kids. And then we'd take about six weeks in between contracts where we'd see the, the nation and, and see some awesome stuff. And I would do the contract. She would homeschool. So it was the spring of 22 where we went back to Oregon and I took a contract with my buddy who I worked a decade for. He's got four clinics out in Oregon and all outpatient private practice, like I mentioned. And they were struggling with the, can we keep our doors open to Medicare question? Honestly, Um, their their clinics were building in other facets where it became an option to not accept new Medicare patients because of the decreased reimbursements, right? And so I found myself in a unique position with time, which really no PT has unless they're an animal like you probably (laughs) are. Um, And that time is a four letter word. I've, I've used it and it's been picked up, but it's so true in the PT world. Right. So I said, what can I do from the road to help you out? Is there anything? I was totally unfamiliar with what is remote therapeutic monitoring. And he said, I don't have the bandwidth, the time to try to implement it in these clinics, figure it out first and foremost. So if you can do that for me, we'll come up with a deal. So I had motivation. I had time. I was looking for an opportunity to spend kind of less clinic time and almost selfishly, like provide more flexibility for our family to see more and do more quickly. Yeah. And so RTM came up. So I spent the summer of 22 just diving in, well, spring and summer, diving into what are these codes? What does it mean? What does it look like to implement it? And found that there was a few steps that needed to be implemented effectively in the clinic. Um, we'll talk about, you know, what the codes mean and that stuff. But there's definitely a software or hardware device, but there's another 50% that has to come from the PT's habits to be able to build these codes. And so finding that gap, both at the clinic level and then software companies trying to figure out how to relay this to on the on the ground PTs, I formed what I called Osprey RTM consult, or Solutions and Consulting. Um, and so I've just been offering my assistance to PT owners to see if they can figure out this world as well as the software companies to see if if I can be of assistance in making their product better on the PT side and relaying this information on how it's going to work to PTs themselves. Yeah. So 
we're, we'll talk about like the specific codes and how it can be built, but I guess very, very baseline when we say remote therapeutic monitoring, uh, what do we mean? And I mean, it, it sounds pretty straightforward in the name, but like what specifically is, is remote therapeutic monitoring? Yeah, sure. Um, in a nutshell, how I would describe it is, and I always start here when I'm, when I'm discussing this with PTs, because the first objection is something more to do in my busy day. And what I like to tell PTs is it's a nod to our professionalism. Our medicine is exercise. And if we can demonstrate our patient's compliance of taking our medicine through whatever means, and we're given more information based on what they're doing at home, there are codes that have been written that we can now be reimbursed for this. Um, CMS also knows that the compliant patient is the one that gets better, but so is the one that feels like they're getting taken care of. So we as PTs, we're care is part of our job description. And it's what we own as PTs that we care for our patients. And so we're willing to do those organic things in our day, answer that email, take that call during our lunchtime. So all of those extra communication steps are being recognized too as billable codes. So I think that's kind of the big umbrella description of, of where this comes and fits into PT world. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's nice that you mentioned that because that I always tell people like a lot of this work seems like it's already being done in the clinic. You know, like we are answering those emails. We are sending it. Maybe it's a message or, you know, like our home exercise program at the clinic that I run has had secure messaging for years. And we're always shooting messages back and forth to patients. So now we're just taking the stuff that we've done for free for years. And now somebody's saying, CMS is saying, well, that's billable time and that's valuable to the patient, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And it feels good. You know, uh, we just, go along our professions being knocked and knocked and knocked. And finally, it's like, okay, we're getting that nod of, of we're legit. Like our medicine yeah. is legit. And and so here you go. And, and all this extra time that we can't account for in our day can now be accounted for. So it, it feels good at, you know, at a professional level. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. So um, I guess specifically, let's talk about um, the codes themselves and then what the requirements are going to be. Because in order to do RTM, you need to have, there's some specifics around uh, the software or the device that you're using, correct? Yes. Yeah, right. So it, it stems off of, um, are you supplying a device? So what you can think about that is, um, well, I start with how these codes were written was kind of almost exactly mirrored what was in existence with RPM, remote physiological yeah. monitoring. So the analogy I like to give is a, is a cardiac physician gives his patient a device. This device, the cost of it needs to be recouped, the training of it, the patient has to be compliant in using it so that it can change, modify, or reinforce his plan of care, right? So there was codes written for this and basically they were just mirrored in the therapeutic realm to say, okay, if you're providing a device that is going to bring back objective data as well as subjective reporting of compliance, um, we can recoup that cost now. So in the description of the device, yes, that device is a word that brings up um, hardware. It's like a yeah. wearable or something that's gonna give you motion, but also in the description, device is included as a as a software yeah, so the software, software as a medical device as a medical device right so you know it needs to be registered with the fda um follow what the fda has put out in terms of guidelines of what data it's going to capture compliance that kind of stuff um so that device offering that device is the first kind of code that you got which is 98975 so that code is it's almost like the prescription that the doctor writes to the patient. The patient, he calls it into the pharmacy. The patient doesn't pay anything until he goes to pick up that prescription and he's given direction on how to utilize it, right? So having that as your thought for the background, when you supply this device to the patient, they don't get charged for it until they pick it up. So if they log into their software or they use that program first, that first day of data captured, 
a clock starts. So that clock is going to count months and days, but the seven five code you've trained them, they've logged in, they've attempted to, as long as you're monitoring their compliance or their non-compliance for 16 days, that first code, the 98975 can be billed, but it's only billed once in an episode of care. So Susie Smith's script for her shoulder pain, she comes in, you engage her in this way, 98975 can be billed as long as the plan she's working with you during that 16 days has transpired. Yeah, so you the don't code, ever bill it again. It's yeah. not like it's a, every month you're billing this 98975. That's correct. The, the way I interpret it too is if Susie Smith comes in in six months for knee pain script, it's a new episode of care. She's yeah. been discharged for her shoulder one. You're engaging her again. So the seven five is eligible to be billed in, in that case too. Um, so that clock ticking, those days that are going by, 30 days, every 30 days, you can bill another code, 98975. And that's kind of recouping the cost of the device, if you will. But it's showing the patient using it. So the standard that CMS has put out there is 16 of those 30 days. So just a little bit more than every other day, your patient is doing their exercises. They're engaging in what you've provided them to get some compliance, to get some objective data back. Every 30 days during the plan of care, this code is a billable code as long as the patient has registered 16 timestamped days. Um, so what does that mean? It, that works super well to keep your patient motivated as they're building a new habit and you started them, you know, eval, they need to get going with two times a week for four weeks, then I'm gonna drop them down to one time a week, then I'm gonna go into a maintenance program. Every one of those stages of that plan of care, this is a billable code as long as that patient's reaching those 16 touches, if you will. Yeah, and that's the 98977. Um, correct, yeah, and, and I've I've come to call those kind of the low-hanging fruit because uh -huh. what what needs to be provided is is the device, the PT's awareness of just encouraging that patient like in clinic space time, and then the habit building. I mean, I think that's what the, the code is about is that habit building for that that patient that they're doing it and, and getting involved. Um, that's what is required to be able to build those codes. So um, at very least, those should be something seen as, look, we're doing our job in prescribing a good home exercise program. We're modifying it. We're adjusting it based on progression or regression as, as necessary. But it's another weapon in our, you know, another arrow in our quiver where we can say, hey, look, Susie, I, this is going to work. Let's let's get after it. Let's let's stop making excuses for not doing yeah. your work. Um, and that is really what we're doing all along. So as long as you're capturing some of that data, those are billable codes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so so, yeah, so then there's two other codes in the outpatient PT world. So that that nine eight nine seven seven. Let me backtrack. Um, that can be billed, all these codes can be billed by occupational therapists, speech, language pathologists, and um, PTs, as well as physicians can bill these codes too. Um, yeah. Falls under that so qualified then, healthcare professional or whatever. Right, 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 right. Um, so the, and, and assistants can bill these codes as well. There is, you know, reductions uh, uh, based on a PTA building for versus a PT. We can get into that if there's questions that come up at some point. Um, so then the other two codes that come along are the 98980 and 81. And what I like to suggest as a picture is the first of every month, you get unlimited buckets. The first one says 98980. And that is to capture all that organic time, maybe some focus time now that it's a billable code but we fill that bucket up with modifying their home exercise program, tracking their progressions, sending an email, internal messaging, but at least one synchronous conversation has to take place to completely fill that bucket. So you might have 17 minutes of all of this other stuff that happens electronically, but you have to have at least one phone call, video chat, something like that where you're discussing simultaneously with the patient something about their care, that adds up 
past 20 minutes, you can build that first eight zero code. All the subsequent minutes that happen in a month spill into a bucket called eight one nine eight nine eight one. And though you have unlimited amount of those on the 31st of the month, they get dumped and they're all they ready to be filled again, again on, on the first of the next month. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the a, a solid description and starting place for each code, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's in, interesting that the I know this is this can be a hang up too. the way like when you can build these and the, like when the time clock resets, like the the setup code starts from you know, that, that clock starts when you start the patient on the remote therapeutic monitoring, but that nine, eight, those eight ones and eight zero codes, like are calendar months, right? So like, if you eval somebody on, you know, I know today's the 28th, <laughs> like that clock is resetting in three days, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it gets, it gets goofy. So you're not going to get all the codes every single month because yeah. there's that overlap, even if you're going hundred percent at it um it's just the timing doesn't add up there and in in just the definition and how we've described it if you're a solo practitioner and you've got you know a limited caseload by all means get your spreadsheets out start tracking this stuff if you've got a couple clinics that you're working for and so you've got hundreds of patients rolling through it will super quickly become a hindrance to your day to try to track all these patients and figure it out. Um, And so that's in turn, what is being offered at the software level is this tracking for you to trigger your next move in terms of billing or um, action and compliance for that patient to get those codes in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got the codes now. They're kind of defined. Um, yep. Maybe like uh, walk through like a case, maybe one scenario of like when, like at what point in the in the course of care, we would build these codes. So Susie Smith comes in, she's got a referral for a shoulder. Day one, PT does, sets her up on this software and we're off to the races. Yeah. Sweet. So Here's another thing, and it's and it's going to hinge somewhat based on what EMR you're using yeah. and how it accepts codes. And I say that because each one of these codes is untimed, right? It's not something that happens for eight minutes on a date of service that you can bill for. It's a collection of time over a span that's dictated by CMS. So if your EMR allows you to code these without a given treatment day brilliant that's that's a good time you know that's that's a good way to figure out where and when you're going to build those so those open up for a clinic space to almost kind of batch bill if you will yeah um you utilizing whatever software or whatever you set up to track all this stuff to go through and push these attached to the patient's case for the pt mind for the staff pt what i suggest is an awesome trigger for these codes is to think, you know, let's just start with somebody that walks in at the beginning of the month for your eval. You train them, you set them up, you send their HEP electronically, you hand them the device, whatever they're going to report on. Day one, you've educated them. Okay, great. So that code, the 98975 code, kind of sits waiting to be billed. All right, so that's kind of often in the background. You've done your due diligence. 16 days has to lapse before you can bill that. So it's just kind of sitting there in the bank. So day two through day 25, you're working with the patient one, two, maybe three times a week, whatever you've got them set up on. And you're encouraging them. You kind of, whatever device you're using, you're you're taking a glance at it while you're in the clinic with them, starting to add some of the time that happens in communication with them into the eight zero. And so as you're going, you're encouraging them and then progress report time rolls around, right? The 30 day research have to happen, call it what you want to 30 days. You got to do that, that progress report. Okay. So 30 days comes up. Now I can look back and see Susie Smith, what she's accomplished seven, five. Yes. You educated her. She logged in a couple of times, 16 days is definitely elapsed. That's a billable code. 
has she gotten her 16 out of 30 days where she's interacted with the system? Yes, then that's a billable code. So progress report time is a good time to trigger the PT into thinking, okay, are these billable codes, have they completed this work to build these codes? Yeah, and um, it's just part of the reeval for them. They're just going through, oh, okay, and now we're here, it qualifies, boom, drop the codes, call yeah. it a day. Yeah, and so when I'm working with clinics, I suggest that to start there, you know, put put the role in the put put this duty in the PT hand, PT's hand, especially if you know you're a clinic of one to five practitioners or something like that. If you're at five plus in a clinic space, you know, it might be wise to figure out how to make that EMR work for you. And twice a month, one of your PTs or the director has time set aside where he goes through and he just runs through who's meet, met the codes and pushes those through the EMR at that time. Um, yeah. with the support of documentation, obviously. So, yeah, okay. I hope that kind of helped. Yeah. Kind yeah, of no, that makes, that makes that makes it a, a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, I guess from, we've talked about kind of the billing and what you need to have in place. How does this work from, from the patient perspective? Like, I guess from the, well, we'll call it a patient engagement standpoint, but, um, have you noticed doing this with with all these clinics? Like, is this increasing like um, or decreasing no show rates or increasing compliance? Because you know you're getting these. Sometimes you're getting notifications or emails or pings from your therapist saying, "Hey, I noticed you didn't haven't done your exercises in four days. Your appointments tomorrow or you know, whatever." Like, is this making changes? And I'm sure we're we're too early into like have a lot of data, but, you know, from, I guess, anecdotally, is it improving patient engagement, adherence, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, as a whole, it is. Um, you know, the initial response, because we're dealing with people, yeah, don't forget, these are still people, right? Um, you're going to have your compliant folks, you're going to have your non-compliant folks, so you're not going to be able to bill 100% on all the folks that you're working with. I mean, let's be real. Um, and then drive that realness into another stage a lot of these folks and we judge the book too quickly but these folks because the bread and butter right now is medicare med advantage yeah. you know federally funded they're over 65 but don't judge that book too quickly because the average age i bill on when i'm working this rtm side for for my buddy is 74 right oh, okay. so it's like yeah that's average age that's kind of a cool stat to throw out there so folks are getting it. They're doing it. Yes, some of them see it as a, a another thing just to do. But as it transpires and there's some value gained in terms of an extra talking point with, with the PT and the clinic, yeah. um, a, a little extra guidance, a hey, how are you doing when they weren't expecting it? Like these folks are doing it now. And it's very refreshing to to just have a few conversations with with people and and often I'll get something similar to, you know, Matt, once I got past the, it's an extra thing to do, I really valued it. I have done PT in the past and I'd end up with five sheets of paper that had coffee stains on them. I'd lose two yeah. of them, not remember the if I should still your continue. Car somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So you're like, okay, so that's one value. It's all in one place. It's all a good option. It's going to be saved. The other value is when they get past that, it's the one more thing to do their honesty improves. So their compliance. So they say, Matt, you know, maybe I'd rush and do my exercises the night before my PT appointment. So I could tell my PT I did them. Um, but now that I know that somebody's kind of checking it and my PT is going to be checking it, like I'm, I'm more, more frequently doing my exercises and guess what? I'm, I'm getting a little bit better, you know, um, the, from the compliance thing, I think you kind of meld into what benefits there are in the PT side of things where, just purely doing your exercises, the PTs are like, I don't have to show Jim Bob how to stretch his calf for the first 20 minutes of my session anymore exactly. because he's doing it at home. He's figured it out. This is great. As well as less, um, I call it patient ghosting. Kind of like you got this patient scheduled out for six weeks. Week three comes up, they get sick, they cancel, then they don't show up for the next appointment. Then all of a sudden, like they're three weeks off goes the by, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're kind of being held more accountable. So we're seeing less of that patient ghosting, uh, if you will, uh, follow throughs with the full plan of care. Yeah, there's there's a good amount of that happening too. Um, and then from the PT side of thing too, which was cool, in my case study, I had 
four clinics that I'm doing this for underneath one company umbrella, purely doing the RTM um, implementation and billing contact points for the, on behalf of the PTs that are in this clinic, okay? So I'm doing that as well as training and implementing this in, in other clinics out in the country. But when I look at and derive my own stats from just these clinics, each clinic has its own personality and there's the really, really busy clinic. Then there's the fairly busy clinic. Then there's the making it happen at clinics, but those more busy than not clinics that are sweating their wait list, trying to get patients in, the PTs can utilize this because the patient still feels like they're getting served, yeah. but maybe they can do a little less frequent. They move into a management progression quicker, if appropriate, you know, use your professional judgment. But the wait list can we're popping people into in to get their evals from the wait list. Sooner, and that's yeah. people happy too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that piece about like from the from the patient's perspective, like they a lot of times they do see it as uh, it's just some it's another thing I gotta log into. But you know, we've noticed on in the clinic that I run and then in some of my clients, it's like as as soon as you begin to like explain to the patient the value like oh the, you know there's a secure messaging function here you can shoot me a message whenever you want and i'll get to it i won't be able to respond right away but i guarantee you we'll get to it sooner than you know calling and leaving a message on on the clinic voicemail or something like that you know like patients really like that they value the uh, access more than anything else right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah they get it they get it they, they really do and it's 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 worth a try like i said are you going to get 100 percent of these folks signed in no there's going to be some people that you know are completely adverse to technology and that's fine don't don't let it be a hindrance to their care you know do what's good for them but the majority of folks can do it and and when they see those additional features that they like that chance to let their voice be heard and that's what you're giving them yeah yeah awesome okay so what are the common and i'm, I'm assuming a lot of this is going to be habitual in nature but what are the most common like roadblocks when it comes to implementing this in a clinic because you know a lot of times we've already said like we're doing this stuff as clinicians we are you know messaging patients responding to emails doing all that kind of stuff so what's the hurdle then with implementing remote therapeutic monitoring successfully because i know there are there are a few there <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah at the clinic level all right so you got this pt if you're a director listening to this um <laughs> imagine Imagine telling your PT that he's got to change his clock from the east facing wall to the west facing wall. Like you yeah. dread doing that because you're going to hear about it for the next, you know, two months. So if you alter just these little things in a PT and, and it's almost a survival strategy that we as PTs kind of find our routine and we just go right. And it, it, we get so ingrained in our work habits and that's fine. That's part of what we're doing to make our care happen. It's difficult to implement any little difference. So if you've ever changed over to a new EMR or you've ever done anything like that, it's a big step. And so a component of that new habit building by the PTs um, is, is the first big hurdle. But I always suggest if you're the leader of the company, make sure that the PTs see that, that it's a nod to their professionalism. It, it's all we're doing is, is attending to and recording all that extra stuff that we do that we can now get paid for, right? As long as we are attentive to it. So it's building those work habits into the attention um, and attention, intention and attention of these codes. And then they become billable. Um, finding, given your size of your company, like I said, if you're more than a solo practitioner or two that, that's running in, in a clinic in a nice knit, you're going to want to look for something that is capturing this. So then, so then you as the leader have to go through the process of figuring out what's going to do it best for my company, just like choosing a new EMR, new billing system, that kind of stuff. Um, so those are the two big hurdles, figuring out what you're going to use and getting that habit built. And I would say it takes about three months for, for a clinic to kind of build that habit. Um, all around, and when when I do when I do extra training, or um, I'm thinking about actually offering some courses. What I like to say is, it shouldn't be a sell selling job by the PT. Yeah. So I train the front desk staff first, so that when 
a patient comes in, they're already expecting this, something like this. Exactly. Then their PT says, okay, I'm not going to print it. Here it comes and sends electronic whatever access. Um, Then, then it can go from there. And then it's just the attention from the PT. Yeah. Yeah. It's super big. Like it almost even including it in like the new patient paperwork or new patient email that goes out like, Oh, by the way, here's the, here's the link for your, your intake paperwork. And here's some information about the the platform we use to deliver or to monitor whatever you want to call it. So that the patient knows about it when they come in, they're like, what is this? I thought I was going to get a paper. hundred <laughs> percent, man. You, you hit the nail on the head. And, um, you know, part of, part of my offerings to try to help consult people through this implementation process, like I compiled so that to try to make the easy button as big as possible, <laughs> where th- there's, te- there's templates in that vein all over the place that you're free to use and change your change to your own style and put your logo on but that's exactly right new patient paperwork an attendance agreement modified to say rtm agreement you know um emails templates that that can automatically go out to the to the patients to to encourage this and continue to reinforce it to take the load off the pt in the space and to take the load off your shoulders to try to implement it yeah all right um and you've mentioned this a couple times trainings courses all that how much training should like a, just a clinic owner or director plan on for their clinicians and admin staff to do this? You already said about three months to get it up and running, but is this something that you've got to like carve out a couple days to train or is it something you can do over several staff meetings or is it more effective just kind of, you know, as one of my former business partners used to say, kind of build the plane as you're flying it, you know, like kind of on the job <laughs> training. <laughs> I would say, a mix of both, but definitely not a hundred percent of your latter statement. Yeah. Um, because you'll never get around to making it, making it, uh, proving its importance, I guess, to, to the staff. So what I suggest is three hours, an hour meeting for each group leadership, how we're going to run this, what verbiage do we want to use? And let's get the background stuff built into the, to the EMR and the billing system. Okay. That's one meeting. Second meeting, front desk staff, here's the flow when a new patient comes in. This is what we're doing. This is how we're how we're doing it. Here's how you kind of help find a patient's uh, new password creation if, if you want to. So that, you know, that's something that they can do in, in, in behalf of the, the PT. And then one one hour meeting, you know, same week if you want to with, with the PTs where it's this is what the codes are. This is how you do it. Here's how you're going to optimize your guys' solution, your device. Let's go and start. So once that happens, okay, that, that'll probably happen over the course of two to four weeks. So that's the first month, right? Then the PTs are knowledgeable. They start to practice and start to enroll their patients in the next month in RTM. So homework, I like to give homework to the PTs and say over the next two to three weeks, each one of you enroll five patients, you know, in RTM. So because it's over time that these codes take place, that's why I say the third month. So now you're enrolling these patients. The third month, we can look back and we can start to bill on these patients. Yeah. Right. And then then Medicare's probably the quickest in terms of reimbursement. Um, So you're looking at, you know, three to four weeks to see what money's coming in. And then kind of changing from there. So follow-ups in there, yes, but a couple one-hour meetings and you got the job done, you got the groundwork laid, and then it's just refinement from there. Yeah. So then you are kind of continuing to build the plane. It can fly, but you're, but you're figuring out how to make it faster, you know, after a couple months. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, th- I think the big thing that throws, well, some people off too, is like the idea that we're doing all this work on the front end. And you, like you said, you're billing after 16 days, after 30 days, whatever. So it, it does take some time of once you implement it too. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a data guy. I like my dashboards. Mm-hmm. So it takes mm-hmm. it takes a little bit of time for you to see kind of the the uptick either in revenue or in patient engagement, whatever it is, even as you're tracking it, because there's there's a little bit of a delay. It's almost like a lagging indicator of how the how the program is going. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is a very much a lagging indicator, and because it's lagging in patient's response time. So that time has to elapse. Then the billing has to happen. And then the reimbursement has to happen. 
but it's got a rollover effect too. Um, yeah. So it's one of those tough things where it's it's difficult to calculate truly finite numbers. You know, that's what a clinic owner wants to know at the end of the day. What's the ROI? Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's like, well, you might have a slow month, but you might have a huge month. And when when do you see and reap the rewards of those huge months of of numbers coming through? So um, you you do your best with averages, uh, and and so. When you average out, just because I'm going there with the numbers, I might as well do that from my end. When you average out compliant patients, so you look at maybe a three-month three plan of care. People are going to drop off. Some people aren't going to engage all the time. So you try to average out per patient and being fair with what I thought was number of times each code would be filled on the conservative end, you're probably looking at average out over everybody between 130 to 160 dollars per patient yeah. for a three-month plan of care so that's extra um and i think that that's kind of agreed upon by those that are doing it and what the numbers that they're seeing um you know for the super compliant patient yeah you're going to earn more but keep in mind you're going to have folks that they just drop off can't yeah. won't don't drop off that kind of thing yeah awesome cool deal um well we're getting near the bottom here so um this has been very, very helpful and informative. If there are right. one or two main takeaways you'd want maybe a clinic director or a clinician or somebody that's thinking about implementing remote therapeutic monitoring in their clinic, um, what would those two main takeaways be? Awesome. So I think we are seeing this, those that have been in the RTM game kind of since the codes were written, right? CMS writes something new. How long is it going to last? That's the first yeah. question you got to exactly. ask yourself. Every, Every six months, every year, it changes. This has stuck around with minimal change for a second year, and it's going to probably incur minimal changes for a third year. So this is around, and I only have to proposition the fact that it's going to mold, morph into something bigger, but in the direction of some kind of hybrid care. Yeah. I think that this is the first step. Being a clinic PT and knowing the value of having face-to-face -face conversation, if I have any voice in the matter for as long as I consider myself a PT, I'm going to fight tooth and nail for the in-person visits to always be a part and always be seen as value. But I think this is going into some degree of hybrid care. Um, so CMS wrote it. Other insurers are starting to catch on. And the two next big players that I can't imagine, well, workman's compensation, like... They yeah, want to I mean, know they were talking visit. about remote therapeutic monitoring in early 2000s. You know, they're like, well, how can we make sure our patients are compliant? You know? <laughs> so correct. So correct. So they love that stuff. So they have got to be the next one on. And I'm getting some news. They they take a little longer to get reimbursement back from, right? But um, getting some good news in that department, I should say, too. So we're seeing the trend to more and more commercial third-party payers yeah. picking up on these. So it's going to be there. So the one takeaway would be, if you're considering it, do it. And just like the old adages, don't do anything half-assed, you know, yeah. if I can say that. like You can, yeah. Because because if you just said, okay, we're going to do this, and you tell a few folks about it in your clinic, it's not going to get done because it's a new habit that has to be trained into the staff um, I, to be effective. I fully believe that. Yeah, you almost just implement said, it with everybody, it. every single patient. Some pay some, some payers are going to deny it, and that's fine. You're not getting paid for that time anyways, right. but at least you're getting Correct. the habit of doing it. Hundred percent. I make that suggestion. Um, the the soft start or the pilots that want to go through, like I suggest, you know, if, if if I'm getting that vibe, I say, okay, go with your bread and butter, make it a Medicare Med Advantage thing. Fine, that's fine. Just go for it. And then once you guys are in that habit, try to roll it out to everybody. So yeah, you can go all in. You can go soft start that way, but the the understanding and the training up front is going to count for a lot because if you just flounder for a couple of months, it's not going to go anywhere. It's yeah. Not, yeah, not. you won't see the ROI. You're like, oh, what's the point? <laughs> Correct. Correct. Awesome. That well, would, yeah, that would be one big takeaway that comes out. Yeah. No, that's a huge one. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. um, Matt, where can people find out more about you, more about Osprey, working with you, and maybe those forthcoming courses you've teased us with? <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? I, I need to, well, time's a four-letter word for me still, you know. Um, <laughs> so uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook page, but Osprey, RTM, Solutions and Consulting. 
Um, I do have a landing page that maybe you can put in the footnotes. Yeah, or something yeah, we'll like link that. to it. It's um, you know, to to give you a, a solid uh, web address for that. I, I am on the beginning stages, so it's a free Wix site, right? So it's yeah. like my right. last name, whatever they want to put in there until minimal viable to... product, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's right. So go look at that. At that, there's more information that you can find different podcasts or um, walkthroughs that I've done in terms of webinars. Um, and then just let's just talk. Just contact yeah. me through one of those means. That's fine. Let's just talk, guys. Let's let's get educated about it because I fully believe it's it's props to our profession and it's going to help us get a foothold in, in future medical care as PTs, honestly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool deal. Well, uh, Matt, thanks so much. Have a good one. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Rafi. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Matt Jerk about remote therapeutic monitoring, all the ins and outs of it. <clears throat> Obviously listening to him talk, especially in the beginning of the episode where he's laying out the, the codes and the the requirements to be in compliance and all that. There's obviously more to think about than just getting some software and going to town. Of course, you know, ready, fire, aim is a strategy that works for a lot of people. And you can kind of build as, as one of my uh, former business partners used to say, you can build the plane as you're flying it. Um, and I totally advocate for that. However, uh, with remote therapeutic monitoring, there's definitely a component of understanding what needs to be in place in order to bill for those codes, the kind of documentation that needs to be done. So having someone like Matt help you out is a great idea. Um, there's a lot of resources out there from CMS. I know MedBridge had a, a white paper on it. Um, we've got a report and white paper coming out at Rehab U Practice Solutions that will probably be out at the time of this release, maybe the, the following week. I got to see when it gets back from the, the graphic designers. <laughs> but um, get yourself some information, learn it, kind of get acquainted with some of the basic requirements. And then, you know, as Nathan Shield said in our last uh, episode, it's helped sometimes to reach out. So we've got uh, Matt's uh, contact information in the show notes if you want to have him help. Like I said, I've helped organizations implement this on the tech side, bringing that into the clinic. So we're also available at Rehab U Practice Solutions. Um, you can go to our website, rehabupracticesolutions.com. Um, there's multiple ways to schedule a time with me to discuss. Um, I'd love to have a conversation with you. I think one of the big things, the takeaway, and this has been something that I've been harping on, harping sounds negative, but something that I've been focusing on a lot with my clients, with even the content that we're creating um, and some of the educational the training programs we've put together for clients and, and events really has to do more with, as I said before the interview, was this idea of how do you actually get the, the clinician, the end user, if you would, the clinician and the patient to use this device or this software? Because that's really the crux. There's really a limitless amount of tools and technologies, and they're all great. And they're all wonderful. But if we don't get the, the workflows integrated in the clinic, in the clinical workspace, then it's not going to happen for our patients. And as Matt and I have both kind of talked about during this during the interview, hybrid care is really going to be the way of the future, and not because it's like one of these things where um, where the the remote therapeutic monitoring codes themselves are worth the dive. I think one of the bigger things that we're seeing, especially in the value based care contracting world and and case management and stuff like that, but really moving into the future remote therapeutic monitoring or hybrid care is really not going to be seen as this cutting edge, cool thing that helps boost revenue. It's really just going to be seen as the way care should be delivered, right? You should be able to have some sort of access to a clinician, some sort of way to monitor progress, whether the patient is in the clinic or out of the clinic or in between visits or, or however it works. And especially moving away from this fee for service model, which hopefully will happen sooner rather than later, the, the nominal gains you might get from an RTM program really pale in comparison to the actual clinical outcomes you'll be able to deliver, the value you'll be able to create as an organization by delivering a more seamless continuity of care throughout a patient engagement or plan of care, which is really the vision that 
at least that that I think Matt is sharing in in this interview and that I definitely think is the way of the future. So again, what I tell I tell some clients this that I still work with some private healthcare practices. I tell them this whenever we talk like listen, don't think about RTM as like this gold mine you're going to dig into. There will be a revenue bump and that's wonderful. My thing to be looking at would be this is just another form of improving patient engagement. And again, as Matt said, you know, those patients that drop off, that no show, that fall off the schedule, that don't complete their course of care, implementing some technologies like remote therapeutic monitoring platforms and the like provides a much easier way and a higher touch point way of making sure those patients are compliant do progress and then end up completing their course of care, having met their goals, whether that be decreasing pain or returning to function or whatever it happens to be. So anyways, I'm a big fan of hybrid care. I think remote therapeutic monitoring is just going to be one of those uh, tools that's in the toolbox, kind of like hopefully now everybody's doing digital patient paperwork intake packets. But if not, you should get on that too. (laughs) So just a way of, of making sure patients are getting the the most value they can out of the services they're receiving in the healthcare industry. So that's all I've got to say about that. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. Helps people find the show. Um, if you've got an interesting guest or an idea or a topic idea for the show, um, shoot me an email, raffi at rehabupracticesolutions.com. I'd love to connect, talk about it a little bit. And if it makes sense, get you on the show if you're doing something cool and innovative. Um, or maybe just cover whatever questions or topics we get. I'm going to be doing an episode maybe in a couple weeks, depends on where the cadence is with the interviews, um, for uh, about just a few emails that I've received from listeners specifically about technology and implementing technology in a clinical workflow setting. So we'll kind of tackle that a little bit. I'll pull some from some of my experience working for a state department or state agency as we've rolled out virtual service delivery for that across the state for them. So um, stay tuned for that. Uh, Until the next time, folks, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.